Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome back to a new edition of the New Cyber Frontier. This is Sean Murray. I've got a special guest. I have Christian Dalton. He is a career counterintelligence special agent uh, transitioning. And we're super glad to have you. He's with the Department of Defense. And we're going to have an interesting conversation regarding another discipline that is not very widely talked about, but is very important, um, not just uh, within government, but for uh, companies, for organizations to better understand things like the insider threat, those those detectors, those things that you know make your spidey senses go up or a gut feeling that you're not going to get from an artificial intelligence uh, engine in, in a computer system. Uh, Christian, welcome to the program. Dr. Murray, thank you so much for having me. Well, please call me Sean. Uh, we're we're just simple guys here trying to solve complex problems and, and simple problems. But um, seriously, um, as a career uh, counterintelligence um, uh, professional in your industry, you know, give us a little bit about your background. Okay. And then let's have a, a conversation about what the perceptions are. How is how is CI how is counterintelligence evolved over the years? So who are you, and and what do you do, and and what does it mean to be a CI agent? Well, again, thank you, Sean, for having me. Obviously, I am a blue-eyed Virgo who enjoys long walks on the beach and occasional romantic comedies. But in the counterintelligence world, I've been doing this for about twenty-one years within the Department of Defense. I've had a, a pretty diverse experience from investigations to digital investigations to red team operations. You name it. There's there's probably been a, a point where I've had my finger in it, or I've had a, a go at instructing or uh, mentoring others in this. Counterintelligence by itself has been an interesting career for me. I'm I'm so glad and fortunate that I I fell into it, and it, it's surrounded me by a unique cast of individuals. Um, you've definitely got some some real A types. You got some let's call them B types, and then there's some Zs in there. <laughs> Um, which I think makes us a very unique group and uh, a uniquely qualified group that handles some of these situations. Now, over the years since I, I started my counterintelligence career, we were focused heavily on the foreign influence or the foreign intelligence services, which then blends with the counterintelligence. We counterintelligence. Sure. Um, and that was the, our, our primary focus for many, many years, looking for signs of someone committing uh, espionage or sabotage or sedition directed against either the government or company in which they were working for, or even their tribe or unit. As this progressed, we looked for certain things like undue affluence. Was someone getting paid or are flashing more money than they typically had, which would be a good sign of they were receiving money for doing something where they have um, unusual habits or travel habits, where they going somewhere to meet someone, where they extending their work hours or doing these things. And that was kind of the, the traditional thing we saw. But it kind of evolves in the late 2000s, or, or sorry, not the late 2000s, the early 2000s, when we see things like Specialist Anderson, who was not so much of a intelligence threat, but he was looking to hurt um, the United States Army. And Specialist Anderson was a unique case where he was a 
U.S. Army National Guard who was trained in tankers. So he's an M1 Abrams uh, mechanic driver-esque. Well, he began to lose his identity and ideology with the military and with Western society in general in the early 2000s and decided that he was going to convert to Islam. Again, by itself, not a problem at all. What it did became a problem is when he taught himself Arabic and started to draw out the plans of the M1 Abram and identify all the weak points in which that someone could use to attack it. That's where it really became yeah, an issue. That, yeah, that's where that's when you start, you know, there's a gut feeling here, right? Yeah, and at some point along the way, we'd hoped that someone would have noticed this. I mean, and after the, after the fact, we've managed to find a lot which would lead us into why things are changing. So not only did he draw out these plans and actively seek out people to give it to, luckily he went online and tried to find some um, some fellow sympathizers out there and ran into, like, I think she was a 60-year-old granny who was actually on there just scouring the page because she understood Arabic, contacted the FBI, and he ended up falling into our channels. There you go. Which was great because it could have really caused some, some exponential damage. When we look back at cases like this, we start to understand a little more how it could be identified or stopped sooner. Major Hassan, or Nadal Hassan, is another great example. There were plenty of indicators saying that this individual was losing his identity with it, was no longer agreeing with the ideas of the tribe, and was going to such lengths that he wanted to strike out and act against it. So this is where counterintelligence really evolves, and we start meshing and blending with a lot of others. So yes. The focus is still how do we counter someone trying to commit espionage or sedition or anything like that within the foreign intelligence. But we also need to start focusing on where the other threat's coming from. We know we can design the most protected network in the world. We can have the best security procedures. But if that individual gets inside who is not clearly vetted, not properly identified, or has lost his way with it and wants to commit that act, then that's a problem. So we've developed ways and go about this from there. And insider threat has become a counterintelligence, force protection, and a security issue altogether. Yeah, it's a great conversation. So we're talking to Christian Dalton. He's a career transitioning uh, special agent, counterintelligence, Department of Defense. Um, we're going to have a, a, a further conversation with him right after this. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. This is Sean Murray. We've got a special guest, Christian Dalton, uh, transitioning uh, career counterintelligence special agents in the Department of Defense. Uh, Christian, you know, we're talking a little bit about uh, those indicators and and those things that uh, that uh, you know your career field, um, that trade craft, uh, those things that have allowed you to transition over the year, most with necessity, right? Because um, there there are different indicators, different um, things that happen with people that you know traditional uh, approaches to counterintelligence. 
um, may not work today, right? And the influx of social media and texting platforms and, and, you know, all of those things now provide data or information and, you know, there's just not enough resources to, to really look at all of that. Um, you know, you, you talked about a, um, a 60 year old woman who's like, well, this doesn't look good. This doesn't look right. And so there's still that human element that you, you need to be able to rely on. Sure, we want to get a hold of uh, whatever those indicators are as early as possible to minimize the damage. But, you know, so what are some of the new um, tactics, techniques, procedures, TTPs that you can talk about that, you know, we, we use today to better stay informed and um, utilize, you know, the resources most efficiently? So that, that's an interesting, or interesting question that you pose there is like, how do we stay on top of it now? What we used to say and what we like a, a standard community thing that we use or mantra is tradecraft is limited to the imagination. And that's a, one of the most exciting parts about being in this field is that it may seem very monotonous at times, but it, when you really get down into it, no two things are the same. And you've got to uh, like really examine the individual to understand how they may have taken something from history or taken something new and evolved into another way. So it's kind of a, a difficult way to answer that question. Tradecraft is always evolving. We yep. know that. It's always, it's getting better and more difficult as technology improves and advances. What we used to call a brush pass, which is one of the most reliable ways of doing it, is now a Bluetooth pass by and it just happens like that. Airdrop. Yeah, airdrop right there <laughs> or like scan this QR code and I'm going to give you the information. So it becomes more and more difficult. So the agents themselves not only have to become more, are, we're always require, required to be knowledgeable of the person that we work closely with operational psychologists so that we can get that understanding of what drives a person to do this, what has caused this individual to go this way. And then we got to add the technical aspect onto this. So now look at the traditional tradecraft, add the technology out there, and then create some, um, like some artistic expression to it, if you will, to be able to do it. But when you're really looking for that person, the indicators haven't changed. It's still human beings. And when you deal with a human being, you're dealing with a, like a primitive or prim, primitive, like primal aspect of them. So if it's the insider threat, we're looking for changes in the personality. It doesn't just happen overnight. I won't say it doesn't just happen. Always and nevers are tough things in this sure. business. It rarely happens overnight. Lone wolf attacks that just come out of nowhere. Yes. People like to talk. We like the social interaction. A good business a person or a good leader or a good tribesman will always see the change in their, their employee or their coworker happening in front of them, but they just may not know what to do about it. So we're looking for that disenfranchised worker, that person who's no longer showing that same allegiance or wanting to. And we, like, we talk about like someone blur openly blurting like, Oh, F America and this policy right now, like Lithuania is a great example of how things are happening in the world. A lot of people have a lot of strong convictions about what's happening in Lithuania and why the U.S. government hasn't got involved. This is a great time to really pay attention to how your employees and coworkers and friends are behaving and acting. If that, if it's getting them to that level, there's a point where someone like us or my team needs to get involved. Now, it's great to know that just because my team's involved doesn't mean that someone's done or is bad or is going to be bad or that is going to get fried. We looked at the whole person concept. So if a triggering event happens with the loss of ideology, with the disgruntled idea of the tribes, with the like becoming more of a loner, 
coming in late or leaving early or vice versa, coming even earlier and leaving later so that they can have that alone time. These are all great indicators for us to start paying attention and to come up on the net as early as possible with the security personnel that we can be great at our job and we have a lot of assets at our fingertips. But until those sensors out there, those coworkers who understand their person on a daily basis comes up and says something to us, we really can't do much except be proactive on the outsides. Yeah, and that sets a, sets a precedence as well. So we have intelligence, we have counterintelligence, and there's some rules that you guys have got to follow, right? So we talk about the civilian side, Title V, mm-hmm. you know, you, uh, you guys on the DOD side for service components with Title X uh, authority. Um, you can't just go well after if you have, you know, if somebody says, yeah, so-and-so, you need to go look at them because, you know, they're, uh, they're kind of sketchy. They're U.S. citizens. They yeah, have absolutely. rights, right? And that's, that's it. We are looking at our fellow brothers and sisters and we're not looking at them or we're not going to be trying to overstep our bounds. Executive Order 12333 was put in place to make sure that U.S. citizens are protected, that their rights are there. And we, as agents, respect that because at any given point, we could be under the same investigation and we'd want that same courtesy applied Absolutely. to us. So it is very methodical. It is very careful. It is very non-intrusive. We, like, as something comes up, if someone presents, a like, let's say, a an indicator or a warning or a suggestion that their employee or counterpart may be acting differently, that's great. We will take it in. We'll use our holistic means to be able to coordinate and synergize with our other agencies and entities to make sure that we're not violating any rights, that we're following the executive orders and the policy put in place, and that they their life should go unchanged, unnoticed. Because nine times out of 10, it is just something happening in their lifetime at the moment and could be solved with a compassionate conversation from buddy to buddy or coworker down. Maybe they just need to look at the review or their wife just left them and their their wife or significant other, I got to make sure that it's more right. gender appropriate, um, that these things happen and that we just take a look at it. It could just be simple as like, we're going to go get a beer and let's get you on this. Or it could be the first indicator that someone helped stop something ahead of time. Sure. You notice that Hadal, our Major Hadan, or his name doesn't come off my tongue very easy, Major Hansen. Um, would have conducted this attack, or we would have noticed that Specialist Anderson starting to lead, or even Manning, before he started to go through all those things. And his case by itself is very interesting. Yeah, so, you know, there's there's this piece to it that, um, you know, you talk about counterintelligence. A lot of it's still the traditional detective work. It you is. still have to do discovery. You still have to collect evidence that suggests somebody's doing something or Back to your point, not doing something, or maybe they're doing something else. Um, you know, I've I've participated in these types of uh, of um, investigations. Um, you know, when I was working with uh, one of the service component uh, defensive cyber operations, we were investigating somebody for you know just introducing something to their their technology. By the time we were done with the investigation, it turned into child pornography. Yeah. So, you know, you start down one road, you start pulling the thread, all of a sudden it turns into something else. And the other piece to it is how many other people are part of the, 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 what's going on, right? <laughs> That's so- <laughs> always like, it's always a tough thing. I mean, we, we run by probable cause. We need reason or justification and approval to be able to go through these things. But sometimes when you do catch that, that one individual and you start shaking the tree, 
you really don't realize how many people are there. <laughs> there was a, a great book written um, called Traitors Among Us. It's kind of an intro reading for all counterintelligence agents that talk about the Clyde Conrad case in the early or late 80s, early 90s, how this one first sergeant who was committing espionage and the wide network that went out around him when it actually started getting investigated. It was like it can go far and vast. And sometimes you don't catch them all. Sometimes you do. Yeah, and, and a lot of it, you, that particular case, a shared ideology, right? Yeah. What is the ideology? It could be monetary. It could be different disenfranchised with whatever's going on. It could be a combination of both. Um, there's got to be some value, some uh, you know, sense of value for the individual or sense of value for monetary value or influence or whatever that may be, right? Yeah. Well, like I know within the counterintelligence agency in general or in the field, we get called hyper paranoid or hyper vigilant all the times. But when you sit back and ask, everyone has a price tag. Everyone has a price tag or a situation in which they will turn against their friends. They will turn against their their family, their tribe, and do something unbecouthed or unbecoming of them. And it becomes a real interesting situation. So we just kind of make sure that we're always on top of that and, and monitoring if we can. You know, it's funny. We have a term for that on the cyber side. Uh, and it's it's called risk aversion, yeah. the unwillingness of a person to accept risk with an uncertain payoff, right? So there's always that. What is that cutoff? What's the red line? Jail, no jail, mm -hmm. and what are you willing to do to get past that line or cover that line altogether? Yeah, I've worked for some amazing people in my lifetime, and one of the, the great guys, John Zipko, always used to tell us that you he never he sat down with each one of his leaders and said, "My charter to you." is not to avoid risk, but mitigate it. And like, that was always the problem is like, the more and more you avoid risk, the less accomplished you can, the less like sparks of ideas can come on. The next big technology movement right. stops because they're avoiding risk. But if you mitigate it and you put the right plans in place and you sit down, you communicate, you vet, you like verify and you make sure things are good, innovation happens and technology changes. Yeah. And mitigation is the number one most used. You know, we're talking to Christian Dalton, a career counterintelligence special agents with the Department of Defense uh, transitioning. Um, we're looking for some additional great contributions for you after you make that tra transition. Um, and right after this message, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what those opportunities may be for Christian. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Sean Murray, New Cyber Frontier. You know, we're having a great conversation with Christian Dalton, transitioning uh, career counterintelligence special agents within the United States uh, Department of Defense. Uh, 21 years of service. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you. Um, you know, this is not an easy career field and, you know, lives get ruined along the way, whether they're intentional, unintentional, you know, from the, from the, the victim's perspective or from the adversary's perspective. Um, 
you know, there, there is that human element to it and, and things happen. And, um, but what's that next generation? So you're going to transition and, um, you know, one of the things that makes you a unicorn in our, in our initial discussion is, um, it's the traditional counterintelligence TTPs, those tactics, techniques, and procedures, but, um, also the current day, right? So yeah. using technology, using, um, you know, you've got a forensics background, uh, in, in counterintelligence. How does that work? And how is that going to look like for you uh, on the outside? I've already given you an indicator on that one, but <laughs> as a, as a unicorn transitioning unicorn, well, yeah, thank you. I'm now identifying as a unicorn. <laughs> and for those who are actually watching the video and listening to the podcast here, um, I just want you to know that as uh, Sean asked those questions, I turned three shades more gray on the side of my hair there. Th like that is no easy task there. Like I've been looking and researching and, and, and really trying to get a grasp on what the next evolution of espionage, insider attack, insider trading, or just over what is corporate espionage is right. the big thing that we're looking at now. So those same tasks, those same skills that we've been using for 21 years that have been refined by the generations before me and hopefully will kill you with the generations after me, um, that crack in the windshield, as long as it keep running, it's great. But those same things apply to these, these up and coming corporations or the ones who are trying to land the government contracts. There are going to be threats in the organization. Yep. There are going to be problems. And we need to start even looking not just at the individual, because I think we we had talked a couple of times is you can have the greatest physical or security. You can have badge in procedures that make sure that only the right people get in at the right time. We can have the strongest internal network where we have multiple forms of factor authentication, but that one person inside who's been considered a trusted asset or agent can mess it all up for all. Absolutely. So that is going to be a big thing that may be working with a corporation or an organization to help better understand the security protocols from the human aspect and then looking at for what other things can happen. Um, as technology advances, so does the ability to be able to take information that doesn't necessarily belong to them, whether it's for an, uh, for an intelligence service, whether it's for a competitor, or whether just because they want to release a sensitive program and cause harm because that is their modus operandi. Um, we're looking at things across the board for that. And then additionally, what does the supply chain look like and how can we better vet and secure this? I, I, before a conversation, um, I had the opportunity to be able to sit down and just kind of dig into the supply chain a little bit more. And as I did, I became more excited and frustrated at the same time about the sheer amount of effort, knowledge, skill that needs to be invested into something like this to ensure that it can't be compromised along the way ensure that a pencil t or the, like, the microprocessor, the size of my pencil lead isn't embedded into something that ends up into a radio or into an aircraft that now controls it or shuts down a power grid. Um, I think there was a recent uh, TL storm attack that was using the, like the wireless or the, um, the smart UPS systems yep. and that they were being hacked through a very ingenious way of this. That is the difficult form to protect. Now as a forensics investigator, that does excite me because that means that there's always going to be a job out there. There's always going to be need for this. I think what was um, um, Oracle was the one that caught that uh, solar winds attack. It, like it was in the the system, it was going well. They had their reach all across the network until they started to mess with a forensics company. And when they noticed something, they went back to a historic image and they found that something wasn't quite right. And that launched the investigation that 
Rar revealed Solar Winds. Yeah, they managed to get access. Uh, so the actor managed to get access to one of the clients, which was FireEye at the time, that got acquisition by Mandiant recently um, uh, in the last year. And so, yeah, it, it gets to that that that, that different skill set, that different tradecraft. But um, you know, back to your point, though, it still has to have that human element, yes. right? So that human element, um, we've got to be able to talk to people. You know, you've got different. Um, parts of the business. Um, in a previous conversation I had uh, with another, another interview, um, HR people are not cyber people. Procurement mm. is not cyber. Um, acquisition is not cyber. You know, if if I give you the specifications of, of a product that I want to fulfill a, a, a requirement, um, if it's a government contract, there's a lot of things that need to be considered. Yeah. And if it's not already been passed, that's one of the great things about having you guys as an entity is I pass this company off to do, if this is really a good business need that's been vetted by uh, the organization and leadership, I can then hand it off to counterintelligence and say, hey, look, supply chain risk management, SCRM, right? It's been around for a long time. Hey, I need to understand the capabilities and if there's any nexus with this company that may be introducing technology we don't want on our networks, right? Yeah, threat assessment, vulnerability assessments are something that we get trained from like we baby little agents. And what we learn and what we're grounded in right away is that we are not the experts in all things, in all matters. What we are the expert is, is taking that data and looking at it in holistic things and identifying where the threats are, how we would attack, how an adverse, our advers- adversary would attack, and kind of mitigating those plans or, or providing our suggestions to the to the head of security or to the team to say, here are your vulnerabilities. This is what we suggest. What would you like to do about it? Having a good person on your team that understands security, understands how to navigate those social and, uh, and cyber networks to find the right professionals and to make the right assessments is going to be imperative in the future. Yeah. I, I think one of the other elements to that too is, is when you're took, taking a look at um, cyber um, uh, SCRM, uh, supply chain risk management, um, what other relationships does that company that you just outsource have to other companies? Yeah. A uh, good uh, example of that, if you take a look uh, several years ago with um, a Home Depot, they wanted to get in the self-checkout business. So they hired a company to do that. Unique point of sale system. Oh, well, we weren't familiar with that. Let's hire a third party to develop the software to communicate before, between the uh, point of sale system and the che- self-checkout. Riddled with vulnerabilities ended up get, you know, losing all the credit card and PII of millions of customers. Well, it goes a little bit further than that, of the, like hiring the additional person. It's hiring a known bad company, one that was doing unethical practices or unsafe practices in, in the past years. Yeah, but they're highly productive and they're yeah. very fast. Or they changed their name. <laughs> yeah, like I am I was the red phone case. Now I'm the orange phone case company. Don't worry, I'm nothing like the red one that used to do all this bad stuff. I'm now orange check this name, but look at all this history right. and stuff I do. And it's, it's taking the time and really going down those things and looking for history of companies, talking to the right people, incorporating the right team to be able to understand and put together that full assessment of the company technology or even like software that we're beginning to incorporate into the, into the next chapter. Yeah. It, one of the things I was talking to uh, another career CI person about how easier, how much easier it is now to follow uh, what we consider bad actors. And bad actors in this context doesn't mean um, bad actor doing things illegal, just doesn't share the right culture. Mm-hmm. And so 
When you see them on LinkedIn, they move from a company A to company B. We know we don't want to do any business with company B anymore. Yes. So, you know, having so, that ability. <laughs> social media is great. So like it can also be a terrible thing used against us, but it's right. also a very powerful tool for us. Um, as a comic nerd, I always talk about the cost of a punch. And it's an old Doctor Strange thing where like he's told to throw a punch, his hand's all crippled. Um, but he's like, I don't want to do this. And the guy's like, his grandmaster's like, you're going to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to kick you out of here. So he does. He gets back. He throws his punch. His grandmaster throws up a shield. He breaks his hand. And he asks Strange, he goes, what did you learn from this? He goes, that you're a liar? He goes, no. You learned that sometimes you're going to have to throw a punch and it's going to hurt. So you need to understand the cost of a punch. And we talk about this within cybersecurity, physical security, whatever it is, there's always an adverse effect. You want tighter security, you're going to lose right. usability. You want usability, you're losing security. You want to be able to broadcast or reach a global audience, you're opening yourself up to more threats. You got to understand the cost of a punch or help someone identify the risks and how to mitigate those. Yeah, th that's a great transition. It's really all about risk management, right? So yes. um, what what's the give and take? Provide all the information necessary for leadership to make an effective decision. Mm -hmm. That's what you guys do with commanders. Um, here's what's going on. Here's, you know, the information. Uh, what decision do you want to make? You know, as we transition out to the civilian side, it's the same thing. Leadership has to understand the risk associated with the decisions it needs to make based on the information that it has. But you've got to be able to communicate with the board those yeah. key decision makers. And sometimes you can't get past the sure. firewall, the human firewall, to get the message across. That's why, like, hopefully, for most things within the government agencies, we typically have a direct line to the command. They hire us to be their honest broker so that they don't get embarrassed. Our same thing with civilian corporations. Though when they hire this security professional or I hire someone with a counterintelligence background, they want you to perform this task. They need the ability to go directly to the, the head boss or person right. and be able to be the honest broker with them. It's like, these are the things that's going on. Here's the concerns presented. There are some options here, but you are the person responsible for making this choice. And make the decision. Yeah. Even a non-decision is a decision. Yes, right? exactly. Level of acceptance. You are aware of the risk. That's correct. Well, we have had a great conversation. This could literally go on for hours. Um, you know, maybe the next time it's over a cocktail. Yeah, absolutely. In a dark place, in a dark corner. But hey, it's been great having you, Christian uh, Dalton. Um, you know, career counterintelligence special agent transitioning um, in the Department of Defense. Uh, thank you for your service. Um, you know, it's it's been great having you on here. We're looking for. Uh, future good discussions, um, Absolutely. lots of great opportunities. Um, you know, that, that unicorn piece that we talk about, um, the discipline of the humanistic side, along with the, the, the forensics, the computer, the technical side, um, those are unique things that are in high demand in our industry. So it'll be great to see where you land up and maybe have you back on the show having a different perspective on, on things. I'm very excited for the future and I can't wait to come back and tell you about all the all new right. adventures. Great. Thanks Dalton. I appreciate you contributing to our program. Anytime. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of new cyber frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. 
We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.